Hello, and welcome to Friends for Life, a podcast of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's Life Ministry. We're sharing the stories and insights of real people living out God's love for the people He's created. We hope you'll stick around and be our friends for life. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Steph Nugebauer, along with my co-host, Deaconess Dr. Tiffany Manor. You're probably listening to this podcast because you care about life issues and how the church handles them, and no doubt are watching the landscape of our culture change very drastically, very quickly. One of the places these hot-button life issues really heat up is on college campuses. Joining us today is a current college student, Nicole Chapel. She'll share how college students can faithfully handle some of these controversial life issues through action and involvement in on- and off-campus outreach. Nicole, welcome. Would you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Hi, I am Nicole Chapel. I am a deaconess student from Concordia University, Chicago, and I'm on my internship right now with LCMS Life Ministry. I'm originally from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Ooh, Hoosier. Go right? Hoosiers. <laughs> no Boilermakers, Hoosiers. <laughs> I have an older sister and an older brother and a younger sister as well as three nephews, um, the oldest of whom I'm a godmother to, so that's really special, and two dogs, both labs, both indoor, both meant to be outdoor. <laughs> Are so. they like like the big dogs that still think of themselves as lap dogs? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Oh, boy, and there's two of them. So and There's two of them. <laughs> and you have one lap. Yes. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you are a busy lady. Now, how long have you been on your internship with LCMS Life Ministry? I think today actually marks six months. So exactly Ooh. halfway through. For people who don't know how this works through a, a Concordia and as you're doing your deaconess studies, tell us about when you started at Concordia and then what your internship year is like and then what happens after you graduate. Yeah, so I started at Concordia Chicago in 2018, that fall, and I was actually an early childhood ed major um, with a Lutheran teaching um, emphasis. And then I switched my sophomore year, right before COVID, uh, to the Deaconess program. And then I did two years of field work through an RSO and congregation. And now I'm on my internship and it's my final year. So it is a five-year program. And then after May, I will graduate and take a call and be commissioned. Wonderful. And can you tell listeners what RSO means and then where you volunteered? Yeah. So an RSO is a recognized service organization of the LCMS. And I was doing my field work at the Shepherd's Hand Community Outreach Center in Fort Wayne. Then I was at a, a congregation in Chicago once I was back on campus after COVID kind of died down a little bit. Okay. So, Nicole, here on Friends for Life, we talk about a range of life issues, and we recognize that when we talk about life issues, it's not just talking about life within the womb, but life at various stages of human development, different kind of crosses that people carry, and then how the church can address those I'm curious, though, what is a life issue that you feel most passionate about? That's a tough one. I think beginning of life is is definitely at the forefront, but I think another one would be mental health just because it's it's played such a big role in my life and in my family's life. Um, and being a, being a college student, 
and getting through a pandemic, not just the pandemic, but um, being a college student is really tough mentally. And there's a lot that goes on. And so I think that's that's definitely up there, too. Now, in our previous episode with Reverend Dr. Leonard Payton, he also mentioned mental health as a life issue. And we had talked about how we don't often think of mental health as a life issue because there's a lot of big ones, abortion being one, end of life, physician-assisted suicide being another. Uh, mental health is an often overlooked life issue and very under-addressed in our church. And so I'm glad that you brought that up, and especially uh, on college campuses. And you made a good point, especially during COVID times. I would say, too, that, I mean, really there's, with with life issues so often in these circumstances when there's suffering and, and there's trial, mental health comes in, into play. I mean, you know, when we're talking about being of life issues like abortion, there is no abortion that occurs without some mental health crisis accompanying it, whether it's what precipitates the uh, abortion or follows the abortion and the, the trauma experienced. So right, it's, it's part of so many uh, of these uh, life circumstances that, that lead us to, to focus on in, in life ministry. Yeah, honestly, that's not something that is talked about, at least in the news or in a secular culture. It's often shied away from to talk about the link between those two, but that could be a different podcast episode in itself. So Nicole, you had mentioned those two were what you really feel passionate about in the life arena. What do you see as a college student being some of the other major life issues that you've come across as a student and also some that you've been able to be active and involved in influencing? Um, so I think the the first one would be gender, sexuality, identity, life issues, but not in the way that we generally, I think, approach it from from life ministry because there's so much pushback on a college campus. Concordia Chicago has a very large commuter population and it's in a, in a very big city. And so we face a lot of that pushback every day. And so it, it looks different in how we approach it as a Christian and as a Lutheran university. I think another issue is immigration and, and the refugee crisis, um, especially, again, being in Chicago. There were, you know, stations set up downtown for, for refugees coming in. Um, one thing that we did while I was on campus was host a refugee simulation through an organization that works in Chicago. And so we got to see what it would what it would be like to be a refugee, try to get through a new country with no understanding of language, people trying to scam you out of every single thing you have and every everything that goes along with that. And it was definitely eye-opening. I'm curious, what is a refugee simulation like? How do they simulate that experience for you? Yeah, so we were divided into groups. And actually one group of us, we were kind of intentionally supposed to be bad guys. Um, and we would be the ones that would take the money from the people and kind of yell at them and and just not be helpful at all. And then the other groups of us, we were we were families. And so we each had a role to play in the family. And we were given a list of items and we had to pick, you know, five or six that we would take with us. And then they said, okay, you're your town that you're in is having air raids or something like that. So you have to get out. And so you basically just go on this this journey. They had 
life rafts brought in that we kind of like blew up in the hallways and we were like sitting on those border patrol kinds of things, um, documentation in different languages. I mean, it was intense. It really was. It wasn't anything that I was expecting it to be, um, but it was a really great learning experience. How long did that last? I don't remember. I would say probably two hours. The leaders that were running it were educating us along the way about what it's like to be a refugee, what refugees go through, what happens after refugees make it to a quote-unquote safer mm-hmm. place, and, and what life is like. Now, I have heard of different college campuses doing similar simulation type experience, uh, not for the refugee immigration process, but for homelessness. It's another thing that I know, being at Concordia University, Wisconsin, they did for their students as as well, offered an opportunity to experience one night. Obviously, it's not the full range of experiences that a homeless population has, but it is very eye-opening, a way to get a, a tiny window into the lives of other people who suffer in great ways that we might never know. I think that's an interesting perspective. So college for me was a, a long time ago now, over 30 years ago. Um, and we had some similar perspective broadening experiences. I was a, an RA resident assistant, resident advisor or something. I don't remember what the A was exactly, but we would try and offer these educational opportunities to, to broaden the perspective of the students coming from a place where they, they might have lived in any type of, of, of town, it's a suburb or a small town or, or an urban center, but they all they knew was their own experience. And so to help them see the experiences of others and, and, and broaden their perspective as, as college students, and it's a time where you know, you're taking what you've grown up with and your family of origin and what you've learned and, in, in schools in, in your hometown, and then you're taken into a new context oftentimes if you're if you're living on on campus or if you've moved to a college so it, it's a time of you know you're you're living out your your values in, in a context where you don't have as, as many of the familiar points it's different for commuter students who who are local but it's, it's fascinating to consider you know how how is it for college students that, that um, they start to live out their their faith they're christians or how they might even encounter the faith if they're, they're not Christians, but but this perspective broadening, uh, that's a whole other uh, topic probably for a different podcast and um, maybe another genre. But uh, if it's helpful, perspective broadening, or if it's conflicting with our faith. But it sounds like the, the experiences that, that you're both describing at Concordia Universities were, were really Christ-centered to, to help us have compassion and, and mercy for the, the people around us. Really stellar. And I think— Part of our, our goal, I was hoping to create these events um, as part of our, our life team on campus. And our, our goal was to come up with ideas and address life issues that everybody can agree on as a, as a life issue. Homelessness, we had a homelessness ministry um, that, that addressed the crisis in Chicago. Um, and everybody can agree that homelessness is an issue that needs addressed. Everybody can agree that the refugee mm-hmm. crisis is something that that needs uh, addressed, and it's not something as as touchy as gender identity or abortion is. Um, and so that was kind of our goal on a campus as diverse as Concordia Chicago is to to find ways to unite people. Oh, that's great! And what better way to unite people than around compassion 
mercy, showing care for our neighbors. I love that you pointed out that let's find some some common ground, some things that we can agree on, whether Christian or not, Lutheran or not, that is a, a matter of care for our fellow human being. Nicole, have you always been pretty passionate about life issues even before college, or was there a turning point for you in college where you thought, I feel called to make this part of my life's work? Definitely in college was when it started to really take off and be a passion of mine. I grew up in the Lutheran schools, and so I knew abortion was was wrong. Um, and so that's kind of where it started on the on the life issues end was with abortion. But it was never really talked about. It was kind of that inherent, you know, pro-life kind of way of thinking. Um, I went to Lutheran High School as well, and we had a pro-life team there that went to the march. In my sophomore year, I decided to go. Then there was a blizzard, and so I didn't <laughs> didn't get to go. What year was that? Is there a blizzard every year? 2016. 2016. You yeah. were there, Steph, right? You were, you were like, there. Was a blizzard. I yeah. did. That was epic. Okay, 2016. And after that, we kind of started uh, changing leadership in the pro-life team with the students. And a friend and I were like, well, why don't we just try this out? Let's see what we can we can do. And we made it more educational based. So we talked about different things, the, the politics side of it, as well as the theology side of it. And kept going to the marches. Um, and then when I got to college, there was a life team, but it was really only focused on the marches. And I had such a great time in high school that I thought, why don't I do this again? I'll take on the task with a friend and we'll, we'll work on this. And we started creating these events and it was just something that I was always working on. It actually played, I think, a, a big role in switching to the Deaconess program. Um, because it was something that I wanted to do, not just kind of on the side. Like I, I felt that as a teacher, maybe I couldn't like focus on pro-life issues all the time like I wanted to. So I was like, I'll just be a deaconess student then and then I can <laughs> do this as a job. And and here I am <laughs> as a deaconess intern <laughs> with yeah. LCMS Life Ministry. So it worked out. Yes. I didn't even time this. It, this is just happenstance. That as you're mentioning the March for Life, we are about a week out from the actual March for Life in Washington, D.C., which is happening on January 20th. So I would love for you to share with our listeners your experience the very first time you were there and how that made such an impact on you. Yeah, so I'm going to count 2017 as my first March because 2016, we got to the church we were staying at and we had a turnaround, I think, the next morning. Um, because we knew weather reports were coming in um, and we were on buses of, I think we had three charter buses of high school students. And so they were like, well, we don't want to, you know, have any liability issues. So we're just going to turn around. It was a little sad because it was, <laughs> was going to be my first march. So my first, my first time really marching, it was honestly very surreal. There were, you know, tens of thousands of people and we didn't, um, specifically March, you know, with, with LCMS. We were with our, our local group that we were sent down with, and it was crazy. I mean, there were people of all sorts of, of backgrounds. Every I think every background you could possibly think of. Some people were a little aggressive in their approach. Um, <laughs> I was, I'm not an aggressive person, so I was kind of 
You're not? I'm not. I'm joking. (laughs) No, not at all. You seem very meek and mild. (laughs) Do you guys have maybe at some points, though? Would No, I don't know. No. No, not not aggressive. Not aggressive. Not aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so that was kind of a shock. But it it was just really cool seeing people from all sorts of backgrounds, different walks of faith, atheists for life. You had scientists for life, and then there were people on sidewalks playing drums and trumpets, and it just felt like it it was a huge celebration. It honestly was. Even though we were walking to end something, it was still focused on on a celebration. The celebration and that that unity of this, as as Nicole described earlier, this is something that we agree on, that abortion's egregious and it needs to end. I found my first march. I mean, the time passed so quickly. I, it was like a, a moment out of time, but here we are with thousands of people and and we're working towards a, a common goal, which at the time was was really focused on overturning Roe v. Wade. And, and you know, Steph, you pointed out that the march in Washington, D.C. is still happening, a national march. Uh, it's going to end now at the um, U.S. Capitol rather than the Supreme Court because there is still vigilance required because there, there could be national laws passed legalized mm-hmm. abortion for the entire U.S. So we, we need to remain vigilant and, you know, really advocate that federal legislation not be passed. But then there's also all kinds of state involvement. And that's why there's state marches too. So, you know, certainly the national march is still occurring, but state marches happen all year round in communities and um, state capitals all over the country. So, you know, it, it might be a little too late to plan a trip to, to Washington, D.C. if you're hearing us talk about what a great experience it is, but it's certainly not too late to find a march near you and get involved at some other point in 2023. Good uh, New Year's resolution, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, good point. I think the latest one that I'm aware of happens in the later part of the spring in St. Louis. Is that correct? There's Yeah, there's one in late April in St. Louis in the summer. We had uh, May, uh, there'll be June marches because the Dobbs v. Jackson decision came down in June, on June 24th. Um, And there are fall marches too. Uh, Pennsylvania State March was in in the fall. So I I don't think we've had many in November, December. I think October was about the latest in the calendar year that there was a state march for life. We've got on our website, you know, if you go to lcmslife.org, or lcms.org slash life. You can see the, the marches where Lutherans are are gathering together. And if you know of a march and you're planning on going and you're, you know, you're an LCMS um, willing to convene a, a group, we'll add your march to the list because we, we want to march together. You know, Lutherans confess the faith, point to Christ, sing the hymns of, of the church. Uh, and, and we kind of are known for that and like oh you're the singing you're the, the, you're the singing church people in the march yes yes we are <laughs> and and you know we'll say the creed we'll pray the lord's prayer so it, it, it really is a a time of, of of great unity and we lament too you know there, there is a, there is an aspect to lament of all of these lives lost to abortion and and the, the hurt and the trauma that's caused for so many so you know we confess that and, and lament that together too. So all of it though is very precious, very important time together as the body of Christ. And I don't want to gloss over this fact that Nicole, at the time that you went starting in 2016, what you had to turn around, but then went back in 2017, you were in high school still, correct? Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I guess take note listeners that these marches are for everyone at every age. And what a great 
intro into action, a lifetime of action to go in high school or even earlier as a participant. And really the point that we're, we're making here with this is that age isn't really a factor in your volunteerism and in your activity in the life arena. And the hope would be that as you get older, you would become more active, more prayerful, more vigilant as far as what the life issues are of our of our current culture and, and how we can be involved and make an impact for the glory of God. And you had mentioned something to me just as we talked privately, Nicole, about how there is a feeling like no other to be gathered together with a bunch of other people, specifically your age, at this kind of event. Tell me, why do you think that was so moving for you to be there with other people your age? I think a lot of it has to do with how media portrays people my age um, Mm. and being very pro-choice, very, I don't even know the words for it, almost just against what we believe as Christians against life in so many different ways. And it can be can be tough sometimes. I mean, I went even going to a Lutheran high school, I went to school with friends who weren't pro-life. And so it felt like we weren't really doing anything. And it felt it can you just feel small sometimes. And then when you show up to the march and there are all these, you know, 16, 17 year old kids marching alongside of you it's amazing you don't feel so small anymore you're like oh okay like oh, you meeting people from all over the country and it's like oh you guys are doing this oh we want to do that too so like let's you know join together let's let's talk let's network and you just realize that you're not alone in this movement hmm. that's the the blessing of yeah realizing that you're you're not alone being with all you know seeing you can, visually with your eyes hundreds, thousands of people, and even even though the life teams that you described in high school and in and college, and and I know, um, you know, maybe not your your high school, but I mean your your college life team and facilitated by Lutherans for Life, and and this um, interaction with other Christians and, and Lutherans for Life has been great at convening these life teams and congregations and chapters, and so um, this gathering together is so important. It heartens us for the the difficulty of walking in a, a society in a world that is wanting to drown out our voices as pro-life Christians. Yeah. Just to echo what was written in 1 Timothy, to not let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for other believers in faith, in love, in conduct, in impurity. After you experienced that march in 2017, you went back to life in Fort Wayne, and then what happened? I think from there, we really just said, you know, okay, so so what do we do now? What can we do in our community to make an impact, to let people know where we stand on life issues? And so we kind of got together. We had a small little group, but one of our members, her mom was volunteer for a local pregnancy resource center. We decided to host a baby shower for them. Mm-hmm. We kind of put together some ideas. I'd been to a couple baby showers before, so I was like, all right, I know there are games involved. <laughs> I had to figure out it how doesn't to do have that. to be, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. The, 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 they have the tray of all the baby items on it, and, you, and then they cover it up, and you have to name them all in a time frame. I mean, who doesn't want to play a game where you like can 
you know, show how bad of a memory you have. Right. <laughs> Who doesn't want to play a game where you have to try different nasty baby foods or change oh. the diaper the fastest? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That game too. Right. <laughs> yeah. So ima- imagine high schoolers doing that now and yeah. they... Some of them have never held a baby. And they're like, oh, gosh. Um, yeah, so, so that was fun. Um, and we basically collected gifts and funds for this resource center. Wow. And we packed them up and we, we took them over. And some of us were able to, to tour the facility a little bit and kind of learn more about the work there. And it was it was really fun. And we actually, I took that idea and we had another baby shower at the Life Team when I was in college um, for another local uh, center. And so it's just something easy, I think, for high schoolers to do and to just have fun. A nice yeah. nice way of collaborating the partnerships mm-hmm. in the community. And, and a high schooler is not going to necessarily you know, recognize that that's what's happening. So again, that joining with other um, like-minded or, <laughs> I say this all the time, it's pun intended, life-minded. You know, we're, we're with other life-minded groups. And so, um, yeah, it, it, it might seem like, oh, this is, you know, a fun event. But there there's some real depth there to uh, we're, we're not doing this alone. We're doing this with others. There's um, real assessment of needs in the community and filling gaps and not you know, duplicating things that are already being done and, and doing things that are unhelpful. So, that, I mean, that, that's just a, a really wise way of, of going about starting out in, in life ministry and activism and, and, and pro-life efforts. Yeah. And I, I think, too, we, we address that key point of we don't just care about the babies in the womb. We care for the mothers, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was... At least I hope it was eye-opening for some people who who were there at the baby shower, you know. Maybe they just went to get a cupcake. I don't know. But to see that, hey, we, we care for moms after baby is born too. And we yeah. are more than willing to walk alongside them as they, you know, have their little newborn and they, they figure out what's going on too. Yeah, it's not just like a, a one-off, here's some stuff for you, but no. That's where pregnancy resource centers are fantastic because it's it's walking with with moms for years and families and and the families God designed mom dad children and supporting them yeah how impactful too for the moms that went to that baby shower who at least some of them were probably your age uh, knowing that other women their age are there to support and encourage them in their motherhood oftentimes. When we think of pregnancy centers, we have this perhaps image conjured up of you know all retirees uh, working or volunteering there, but the fact that there are young and old working together to support women—that's a really beautiful image. The involvement with um, baby showers, but you know some other ideas. I mean, there there are ways for younger children even to get involved in pregnancy resource center. I mean, sorting diapers and helping with some of the material goods. I mean, it just depends. You have to reach out to the pregnancy center closest to you in your community to find out what their needs are. But even younger than high schoolers can can get involved. I mean, oftentimes they have a parent along, but Mm -hmm. yeah, no, no boundaries on ages there. Yeah. And so now your time at Concordia University, Chicago, what kinds of things have you been involved in? So when I first met Nicole in the flesh, we had uh, Zoomed because you know it was COVID, um, so we had Zoomed and had some conversation about life ministry. But I I got to visit her in Fort Wayne at her um, field work, the recognized now recognized service organization, Shepherd's Hand. A lot of our recognized service organizations that provide uh, what we would say life ministry are 
a, a variety of stages in, in life and, um, and support the, the family as, as God designed the, the family to be. And so that that's, you know, a, an area where I got to, you know, actually watch Nicole in action. It, it was a health fair, right? Re- remember yeah. that? Yes. Also snowstorm. Yeah. Yeah. It was February. Yeah. It was not. The, theme snow. Yeah. yeah. And so there, there was some beginning of life help, but I mean, you know, so Shepherd's Hand, um, as a recognized service organization, has a tremendous emphasis on, I, I think, after school programs mm-hmm. and helping families with nutritional needs and some education. Yeah. So when I was there, at least, it was still kind of iffy on what could be done because of COVID. But the health fair was a big one. We did a health fair with the diaper drive. Um, and so we collected so many diapers. Like we ran out of room to store these diapers. It's <laughs> a good problem. Yeah. And so we would package them up and we'd put a little card with like a prayer or a Bible verse in it. And then with the health fair, we had local resources come in. And I mean, this isn't a part of Fort Wayne where it's very diverse, uh, very low income. I kind of call it the other side of the tracks, kind of a kind of an area. Not all legal citizens. Many of them don't speak English. Some of them even from an Islamic background. The church, you know, opened their doors and said, you know, let them let them come in. If we're able to bring all of these other community resources together and be, you know, the hands and feet of Jesus here and and be kind of that meeting place for people then let's do it. And so we had probably hundreds of people, I think, come in. Even, there, were, there were hundreds. Yeah, even, I, yeah. even during a pandemic. I mean, there were people in need of things that they, they honestly probably couldn't get because of <laughs> the pandemic. And so we said here. In contact, there were community health providers providing them some advice and maybe some childcare options, you know, for moms and dads who had to be employed and find things. And, you know, it was a time where they couldn't have necessarily gone into someone's office, but then this fair held in the church, they were able to all very safe. All, yeah. You know, we were masked. Mm-hmm. And, but com- combining, you know, it's care for body and, and soul. Um, the pastor, the vicar is there. I think there were three of us deaconesses. I mean, I was, I, I was just kind of showing up. I was the outsider um, observer. Um, but Christ's people cl- clearly identified as the people of, of, of God. They're serving in, in his name and that connection to the word and separate ministry with you know, connection to the, the church and the, the prayer needs and, and these ongoing relationships that can develop. So again, it's not just a one-off, but mm-hmm. um, engaging in long-term relationships that, you know, through the programming there and connection to the church. I mean, it was just, you know, really beautiful. I, it uh, was, yeah. And when it was warmer and we had another one, we had even more people, I think, show up, which was really nice. And it's it's just a great way to, yeah, start forming those relationships with the people in in the community. And there you you said it too, a lot of this stuff, a lot of what life ministry is is outreach on a on a very local community level, you know, family nights, health fairs, tutoring after school, providing diaper drives for mamas. These are all touching on life issues and all care for the fellow person who's made by God and for whom Christ died. You make it sound easy to get involved in life ministry stuff, but I would tend to say that people your age feel pretty intimidated by starting to get involved. What do you think are some of the biggest obstacles when it comes to 
younger people, college-age students getting involved in pro-life ministry? I think there's this kind of notion that you'll be looked down on or there's going to be pushback from peer groups if you outwardly say that you're you're pro-life and you're vocal and you're doing something about it. And it can be scary. It can be scary to, <laughs> to do new things. I'm still scared when I do new, do new things. So, As am I. Yeah. That sometimes doesn't change. It doesn't go away. But I think remembering that we have a calling in this life as Christians to stand up for life, to confess life, and to be a witness, whether that's volunteering at a health fair or diaper drive, whether that's babysitting the kids down the street because, you know, mom has to work late or something like that. It can just happen in so many small ways. And it, it really is. It's a scary first step. But once you once you do it, so many doors open um, and you see so many other opportunities to serve God's people. I think also as Christians, we are empowered by God and, and through the Holy Spirit to do these things, these hard things. I mean, Emmanuel, God with us, we, we would have just um, been hearing about the, the birth of, of Jesus and then many names for Jesus not too long ago. You know, that's what Emmanuel is, um, God with us, and he's with us in these hard things. He's the one who strengthens us to to do it. And, and for, for us Lutherans who really get to partake of the Lord's blessings in the sacrament, um, remembering our baptism daily and, and receiving the Lord's Supper and the Divine Service Weekly. I mean, that, that is what strengthens us for this this work that we get to do the way we, we get to share his, his mercy and compassion. And if we can get into in our heads about it, that's where uh, fear can can take hold. And, and so it's, uh, yeah, it's really um, that connectivity to the means of grace and the, the word, the word of God that can enable us to do these mm-hmm. things. Gives us courage, sustains us. What is just one point of encouragement? If we're just wanting people your age to get involved, where do you start? think you start with your family and your community. Start at that small level because a lot of times those are the needs that can be addressed, that you can address. I mean, you can't just magically make state laws happen or something like that. You know, it it really takes work at a small level and that and then that builds up as a grassroots kind of a way to way to say it. I mean, you just start at that that community level and find where the needs are, address those needs as you can. Loving your neighbor, yeah. right? These vocations. Steph and I end up talking about vocation all the time on Friends for Life. But you, you just described it so perfectly, Nicole. It's, it's like looking what's right around you, closest to yeah. you, that, that neighbor closest to you. Yeah. It's, I feel like sometimes it's so easy to overlook that. You know, mm-hmm. you want to dream big and you want to do these things, but there's someone next to you who... Mm-hmm is hurting or suffering from, you know, whatever it is. That's who God has placed in your life and God has called you to serve. Beautifully put. I can see that Concordia education really paying off. (laughs) Probably your baptismal faith too. Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I would say just looking back at my time as a college student and how I feel I've grown since then, at that point in my life, what would have made it easier for me to get involved in life ministry is to grab a friend because I, I wouldn't have done it myself. But if you can haul a friend along with you to volunteer at a pregnancy center or tutor children after school at a church's after school program, that makes it a lot easier when you have a buddy. 
and go to your pastor, go to your campus pastor, go to uh, your deaconess and ask, I'd love to get involved, but I don't know where to start. Go to lcms.org. Tiffany, where can we reach out for volunteer opportunities? Sure. Life ministry at lcms.org. And also, you know, a really great starting place is our recognized service organization. I mean, we've, we've mentioned a couple of them. I mean, Lutherans for Life and doing such great work with forming and equipping life teams and, and you know, for, for teens at high schools and colleges. And, you know, Nicole certainly interacted um, there at a, at a young age with life teams and and also, you know, Shepherd's Hand, which is, you know, local to people who are in Fort Wayne. But there's a lot of recognized service organizations in, involved in life ministry because life ministry spans, you know, conception to natural death. So even our recognized service organizations with uh, senior communities and, and care for people who are older, you can find the directory at lcms.org slash RSO for, you know, stands for recognized service organization. Um, but there's, you know, community partners that your church, your congregation may have and stuff. Like you said, talk to your pastor, um, your deaconess, DCE, Sunday school teacher, and, and you know, find out who, who is it that your church has been working with locally. You know, certainly we're here to, at Life Ministry at lcms.org to help you brainstorm, think about some ways to get involved and uh, speak up for and get active in for life efforts in, in your community. So just in closing, I'm going to ask you both the same question. Nicole, what is one thing that you've learned from Tiffany working with her in the time that you have in life ministry? And Tiffany, what is one thing that you've learned from Nicole working with a college-age student in life ministry? How have you learned from each other? Hmm. I feel like I learned so many things from you related to life ministry. I think you have really reinforced in my life a baptismal identity and an understanding of the sacraments. I think those are those are the things that you've really kind of always reemphasized and always brought up. And so I feel like now I'm starting to do that too. I'm like, oh yeah, it's because it's because my supervisor taught me that. And it's really great. <laughs> and it's good that I keep that at the forefront of of my mind and not just kind of an add-on. Tiffany, what a Awesome compliment. That's about the best thing anyone could ever <laughs> say about me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what you're just saying is that Tiffany has uh, is constantly reminding you of your baptismal identity, and that identity propels you forward to serve and to be on the lookout for how you can yeah. serve other mm -hmm. people. It's beautiful. So, Tiffany, what have you learned from Nicole and, uh, I guess, in a sense, the uh, people involved in a younger generation. What have you learned from her about life ministry? Oh, I have been so impressed with Nicole. And, you know, I've, I've known her now a couple of years, knew her before I got to work with her as an intern. And, and as we've been involved in each other's daily lives, it's just been such a tremendous blessing. And it it's hard to, to pick one thing. Um, but, you know, I will say uh, Nicole has continually in, inspires me to the involvement in, in individuals and learning how, uh, while we, we all agreed earlier, she's not aggressive. And I think that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> um, but the, the way that she relates to people and how people respond to her is um, so wonderful to see. Um, but, you know, for, for me to, to learn too from some of those practical experiences that, that she has had and the way she you know, could articulate and, and work with young people. I mean, she's just a fantastic teacher. And as I've watched her uh, interact with with teens and um, other people her age, 
she relates so well to them and I, I'm learning from her watching that and she grew up in a different world than than I did for her to confess the faith so well and live it out in action in, in this compassionate diaconal um, love that she showers upon people that you know when I was Nicole's age I was not doing that I did not understand that so it, it's heartening to see and for me to learn from and you know hope that you know, my granddaughter gets to um, be influenced by people like Nicole and, and younger generations as well. So I, I probably touched on a, a lot more than one thing there, but that's what I'm learning from Nicole is, is watching this, this life of diaconal love and action. Thank you, Nicole, for being my guest today. And thank you, Tiffany, for being my co-host. They're always my favorite episodes when you get to join me. So thank you, too, for being with me today. It's been so great to have this conversation and to be together. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. And don't forget to click the follower subscribe button so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. New episodes drop twice each month. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Friends for Life LCMS. And finally, listeners, we want to hear from you. Do you have an idea about a guest you'd like to hear from or a topic you talked about? Email us at friendsforlife at lcms.org. We want to hear from you about what you want to hear about when it comes to issues of life. Thanks for joining us. Friends for Life is a podcast that introduces listeners to life issues by introducing them to friends who stand for life. 